You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. It is lovely to be with you. It is an honor to be here. It is exciting that we are moving into summer and away from winter, and we haven't had any hail in two weeks, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's only the people in Midrand know what we are talking about. Shows where you stay. Those who are further afield would not know what we are talking about. But it was powerful. Anyway, um, it's good to be with you here this morning. Uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor Uber, as you can see, they've traveled. So they are in Cape Town this morning. They are ministering at the Paul East Congregation. So there's Every Nation Paul, and then they planted another congregation, which is Paul East. Every Nation Paul East. So they're ministering there this morning. Sure. What a, what a blessing to those guys. Hey. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be, I believe it's going to be significant. That church is never going to be the same again. So I think they've obviously gone there. They're going to deliver something, shift some things in a, in a significant way. Then I believe that the, going forward, the church is going to just see the hand of God. Amen. Okay, so, well, we are here and um, we are continuing, uh, not only with our series, but with what Pastor uh, Eric was talking about yesterday, which is, I'll make sure I, I said right, love, greatness of stature. So, hey, did I say yesterday? Ah, and yeah, it shows you, I'm not even sure. I was going to say, maybe I was in yesterday and today at the same time, but no, not, not really. So I have no excuse. So last week, love, greatness of stature. Uh, we're going to continue with that today. So the, I think the summary, the summary of what we are saying um, in this uh, probably closing aspect of the series on stature we've been doing, and we've been talking about stature, how wonderful it is, how amazing it is, how important it is, the benefits, what it can do, and why you need to grow in stature. But what we are saying in, in this concluding part about love, the greatness of stature, is we are saying that love is the measure of your true stature. That's what counts in God's eyes. Um, so if you, want to, if, you want to look at you, if you want to take a look and assess yourself and say, am I really growing in stature? Have a look and see where you are with regards to what the Bible teaches about love. Or even what you know about love, just not what the movies teach about love. But what you've learned about love and assess yourself and say, okay, how well am I stacking up? And if there's room to grow, that's fine because we're all going to be growing as we continue on this side. But if you can see there's room to grow, then there's still more stature you can grow into. Hallelujah. Amen. I am at church this morning. Hey, you're awake, you're alive, like you're here, you're excited. Partly, you're okay. It's fine. Pastor Eric will be back next week. Maybe that's okay. You know, let's woo. Let's get excited. So, I thank you, Anele, and I love you too. Uh, so, um, I know you guys love me deep down. We just have to find it. <laughs> anyway, so we are continuing, and I think this is so critical because if love is the measure of our true stature, what it does is it, is it um, demystifies our walk of stature, and it demystifies a whole lot of things, especially with the points we got last week and what we're going to continue with this week. It sort of, it, it brings it down, not to oversimplify it, but it brings it down to a, a level of, if we prioritize love and make that our focus, we can know that we're hitting all the other areas. We can know that we're growing. Just a thought. So let me, let me put it out there. If, 
if Jesus walked in ultimate love, which we believe that he did, and, and God is ultimate love and God is ultimate power, the Bible says God is love, and Jesus manifested love on this earth at a level which, you know, it w- was, was amazing to behold, but he was our example, so it's not to say that we can't get there. If he mani- manifested love in a great measure and he walked in great power, if we want to walk in great power, what do you think that means that has to be in place first? Great love. So I believe it's, it's almost like the, like the seedbed. So, you know, the more we grow in love, I believe the more power we're going to see flow through our lives. So if you want to see more power, you know, praying for, not just praying for the sick, but just the power of God manifesting through your life. I believe that love is key, number one. But also, as we grow in love, so God can also see that we can be entrusted with more. Because remember, if, you're walking, if we're walking in love, it means our heart is in the right place. We have the right heart condition. You can't be walking in love and not have the right heart condition. So if you walk in the right heart condition, you can be entrusted with more. Amen. Because obviously, we, you know, God wants to, whatever God gives out, He wants a good return on His investment. Hallelujah. There's plenty available to us. But I believe love is more key than we actually realize. It's this, it almost looks a bit simplistic, and this word that's thrown around, I mean, you know, most movies you watch, society, it's thrown around everywhere. But if we start talking about true biblical love, and us walking in that, even though it's a contrary to society, the more we walk in that, I believe, the more we're going to see, not just the power of God, but God manifest in our lives. And if you saw what, if you take a look in the Gospels and see what Jesus did, there's nothing, there's no one he didn't astound, and there's nothing he didn't accomplish. Amen. Amen. So, today we, we um, I know it's, it's preaching and, you know, and all of that, but I think today we're gonna, it's going to be more of a conversation, more of a discussion than a, than, than a preaching. So, we're going we're gonna to talk about love today, because I believe what God is doing, um, I was just chatting to Pastor Eric um, on, you know, it was yesterday or the day before, so I believe what, what God is doing is He's, he's simplifying love for us as a local congregation. And I can take it another step further. So God only sends you, or God will send you the word you need, not only for where you are, but for where he wants to take you. So even if I can go as far as to say, if this sounds simplistic to anyone, don't, you know, Jesus, the, the king of the world, of the universe, was born in a manger. You can't get more simplistic and unassuming than that. So if this looks like, I know, but we want to be, you know, hear about other things and exciting things and whatever. I believe as we apply these principles that God is saying, doors are going to open up like we haven't seen before. I I said it, I think last, um, excuse me, I said it last week or the week before, I can't remember when it was. And and, um, I really believe it. We are not at the end of the year yet. Don't, don't, we are not at the end of the year yet. 2023 is not finished. It's not yet done. If God can turn the economy of a nation around in a day, if God can, God can raise Jesus from the dead on the third day and that changed the history of humanity, not just those who were there, but everything in one day, one moment, one, 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 um, um, occurrence, one 
Something that took place just once in one place changed everything. How much more for an individual? We are not at the end of the year yet. God is not finished with 2023 yet. Amen. So let's not oversimplify or, or look at it if it's unassuming the word God's sending us. Let's say, okay, does it apply to me, yes or no? And where it applies to me, let's make the adjustments. You know, God is, um, we're going to get into it now, but God is not under any, um, maybe I can use the word compulsion. He's not, he's not under any compulsion to tell us what is on the other side of a single act of obedience. He's, got, he's under no, he's got, he doesn't have to tell us. He just says, do one, two, three. And when we do it, we see the results. So sometimes it can be something that's like, you know, you're praying for 40 days. or You know, it's something big that he's put in your heart to do. And then you see a breakthrough. Other times it can be one step, which is maybe even the accumulation of the other 150 steps you've done over the last year or over the last three years. One last step. You know, they talk about, yeah, that one tipping point, that one little step, and that changes everything. We are not at the end of the year yet. And if this is what God is sending us now, it's because we need it. And, it's, and I believe he's also, what he's also done is he's, he's simplified it. So in other words, you know, read the Bible, you read 1 Corinthians 14, love is patient, kind, you know, gentle. I mean, that's, that's great. But now, I mean, this is practical stuff, which you can go and, we can go and assess ourselves. That's why I said it's a conversation, because it's not, I'm not preaching at you. I guess we, we're preaching together, because the same list I'm looking at and saying, okay, you know what, how well am I doing? Because we all have room to grow on the side of eternity. So it's to have a look at, what, at what's coming forth and say, okay, where do I need to adjust? And all those things you're praying for and trusting God for, put them all in the same basket and say, okay, Lord, this is what you're saying. I'm going to make an adjustment. Let's see where this goes. Let's see what can happen in the last three and a half weeks or so, the last month of 2023. Let's see what kind of... God never takes a break and he never slows down. As long as it's still 2023, plenty can happen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we finished last week. Pastor Eric finished. I think it was on... By, by the time we'd um, del deliberated, we decided it was point number 13. I think that was the f not 12, it was 13. So that was um, our attitude. So we're continuing with that. So we can, we can measure our love by our attitudes towards certain things. I think the last point he made was our attitude towards the pain of others. So when people are in pain, when they're going through things, what, is, what happens on the inside? You know, how do you, how do you process it? <laughs> do you rejoice? Do you, even if you can't do anything about it, that's, there's not to say every situation you must jump into. Even if you can't do anything about it, it's also to say, okay, what's going on in the inside? Are you happy? You know, yeah. So our, our response towards the pain of others, even if those people don't like us or they've done things that shouldn't be done, what is our, I mean, if we take Jesus as our example, yeah, very, very, a lot of the people that he came across, I mean, he even knew that they wanted to kill him and he still talked to them with a smile on his face. It was powerful. Okay, so we've got some growing to do. So our attitude towards the needs of others. That's point number 14. Our attitude towards the needs of others. And this includes those we don't like. In other words, when others have a need in their lives, whatever that need might be, what is our heart condition? When we see somebody else with a need, what goes on in the inside? 
as I said earlier, even if we can't meet that need, it's not every need we're supposed to meet. We're not God. You know, we meet whatever needs we can or God leads us to meet. That's what we do. But if there's someone with a need, how do we respond to it? So is it, yeah, even if it's your, yeah, I know that Bible says pray for your enemies, but, you know, we, should, we shouldn't really have anyone, ah, that's my enemy. Maybe they've made themselves your enemy, but, you know, you still, they've done, that's fine, but you still decide, okay, I'm, there's a certain disposition I'm going to have. Amen. So our attitude towards the needs of others, and that not, as I say, not only those we walk around as we go through, you know, day to day in society who are economically maybe on a much lower level than where we are, not just those kind of needs, the needs around us all the time. Remember, it's not about the people around us doing right or wrong. It's about an assessment of our heart condition. That's what it is not, is not where will they end up, will it be good for them or not, no, no, no. We're saying if God looks at the heart, which is what the Bible says. So if we believe that God looks at the heart, we want to be okay on the inside. Because that creates the right seedbed and the right ground for what God wants to do. In future, but even now, in the last few weeks of this year. How are we going to finish this year? So let's finish this year having applied every word that we received, having pressed as far as we could and getting to the end of the year and say, God, you know what? You are God. I've done what I believe you called me to do. The rest is up to you. And let's see what God will do. Still a long time left. Okay, number 15. And this next one we can talk about for for ages. So our attitude towards time with the Lord. Our attitude towards time with the Lord. I think that's quite self-explanatory. Our attitudes towards time with God. What is our attitude towards that? Is it, is it something, well, it doesn't really matter if it's something, you know, that has to be done or it's good or I enjoy it or I don't. But the truth of the matter is if you love someone, you want to spend time with them. So in summary, if you love someone, if you, you know, if you really love someone, you want to spend time with them. So, you know, if it's, if it's once every, if it's a couple of minutes, you know, once every three weeks, that's the only time you give to God, then probably you should do an assessment and say, okay, maybe I'm not where I want to be. And you might not have the answer. So here's the thing. A lot of these points, you might not have the answer as to, okay, how do I fix it? Some of them are clear. But, some, you can, but you, the starting point is prayer. God, I'm seeing this. I believe that because I'm seeing this, I'm not where I should be. How do I go forward? Help me to do this. So our time with God shouldn't be something, you know, continuously that it's, you know, by force and, you know, and all of that. It's something critical that we need to have in place. As I said, if you... If you love someone, you spend time with them. So then if it really is something that never happens, then you need to ask yourself, why does it never happen? How can I make it happen? How can I put it in place? Amen? Hallelujah. It's 15, 16. So what is our attitude towards his instructions? Our attitude towards God's instructions. So... John 14, 15 um, says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, it's, a lot of these are self-explanatory, but it's just, it just helps when they get brought up, you know, and then they get brought to light. You're like, oh, yeah, that's actually true. I mean, I don't think there's anything on this list, especially as we, get to the, as we go through it, that you're going to say is maybe even new to you. 
But you know, when it gets packaged and put together, then it's like, okay, and God puts his finger on it. Then it's, you know, it's something we can, then it's, yeah, some areas we can make some changes. So if you love, this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commandments. So that, that so he's saying, look, if you really do love me, you'll obey what I say. It's as simple as that. If you really love me, you'll obey what I say. That's what's written in the word, what I know to do, but also those instructions which you get as you're going through life. You know, those things that drop during the day. Do this, don't do that, do more of this, you know, take hold of that, go there, change this, adjust that. Those things which, you know, the Holy Spirit whispers or speaks to you throughout your day. Those are critical as well. And sometimes they can just be a little whisper. Might not necessarily be a, a loud voice from heaven. Amen? I'm sure we can, all, we, can all, we can all testify to that. It's not always something that's loud. No. Sometimes just a whisper. And if we're paying attention, we'll grab it and we'll run with it. So what is our attitude towards his instructions? Is to have a look and say, okay, when God speaks to me, <laughs> is it selective or is it immediate? So do I selectively decide, okay, you know what, this is a, I, this is a nice one. You know, I can kind of see where this one is going. Um, this, is, this is helpful. This looks good. But um, this one, I'm not sure. It's a little bit more uncomfortable. So I'm, maybe I won't apply this. That's what we need to ask ourselves. God will never ask us to do something which will cause us to end up in a place which is not good for us. If you look back in your lives, every single time he's given you an instruction, every single time, at the time it might have been difficult or hard or it looked like sacrifice. Imagine, I mean, Abraham got told, this was not only his son, this was his future, this was everything. The whole, I mean, the guy's now older than old. You know, he was kind of old when Isaac came. He was now even older than old. So, like, it was a miracle 20, you know, 20 or whatever years before when, yeah, I was about 20, whatever many years before. It was a miracle before that. But now, for God to then, he's now sacrificing Isaac. For God to do that again, I don't know if his faith could stretch that far. But yet God spoke, so he obeyed. It didn't make sense. It was an enormous sacrifice. It was inconvenient. It says he traveled for three days. He left early in the morning, and we always make jokes about why he left early in the morning. Because had he had, he had a, a meeting in his household before he left, yeah, and I, I don't know if he would have been on his way. So he left early in the morning, and he traveled for three days. God, yeah, the, he could have made it so the mountain was there in 20 minutes, whatever, but it was three days of thinking and processing and just checking would he continue to be obedient. It was a lot of sacrifice, and it didn't make sense. All he knew, here's the thing, all Abraham knew was that if God needs to raise Isaac, he'll do it. All he knew was that my promises are hinged on this boy. I don't know how. I don't know how this will work. I don't know what, because God is telling me to, you know, walk away from the one thing which he's granted and told me that this is the future. I don't know how he's going to do it. This step of obedience flies completely in the face of not only what I'm comfortable with, but what he said to me. But I'm still going to do it because of the God of the universe told me. And I believe that as I'm walking, he has plans to prosper and not to harm me. 
plans to give me hope and a future. Sometimes those acts of obedience, I'm sure we can all testify, sometimes those acts of obedience feel like harm. Okay, at least three of you nodded. I'm nodding. It's sometimes those acts of obedience feel like harm. It feels uncomfortable. And it's just like, you know, God, what are you doing? Like, do you not know? Well, of course he does. But we always ask ourselves, you know, do you not know? Can you not see? Of course he can. But he always has our best intentions at heart. Even when it's an act of obedience to benefit someone else. Even when that happens, somehow, 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 it will always come back and there's a benefit we get. Whether it's a reward or whether it's something that shifts or something we learn or something we grow in, it doesn't matter. In every word God gives us, He always has our best intentions in heart. Amen. So as we, as we consider acts of obedience, as we consider what He says... Let's remember that he will never ask us to do something which will cause us harm. Never. And it always ends up, on the other side of every act of obedience, is always, always, without exception, a better place than on this side of that act of obedience. Amen. Hallelujah. So, number 17 is unity of the brethren. What is our attitude Towards unity of the brethren. Um, I'm going to look at, let's see, where can we go? Colossians 3.14. Let me just turn there quickly. So Colossians 3.14 reads as follows. It says, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. It's almost a, it's interesting. It says, it says, put on love. So, you know, that it's not saying, I will put love on you. It's a, put on love. It's a, it's something we need to do. I, just, just think about that. I don't know if you thought about that before. It's a choice. It's a choice in a situation when you're faced with something. Do I choose love or do I choose something else? I mean, like, if this if if is the only point you remember out of this, that all of these and this whole, then it's fine. Do you choose love or do you choose something else? It's a choice. That's far more empowering but it also means the responsibility, you know, sits on us. Clothe yourself. You know, it's not saying, I will clothe you. Clothe yourself with love. So in that situation, clothe yourself. When the person is being horrendous, clothe yourself. When the situation says, this is how you should respond, clothe yourself. When it doesn't make sense even, even if you don't know the way forward, maybe all you can do is check your heart. Clothe yourself. When it doesn't make sense, clothe yourself. And as we do that, but above all these, above all these things, you can go and read before, you know, what all these things are. There are a lot of other things, but it's saying above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Clothe yourself, put it on. That's what we need to do in every situation. That's what we need to choose whether it's comfortable or not. And as we choose that, 
as we choose that, I believe we'll see heaven come down. I believe we'll see God descend because obviously it's, you know, it's, it's, it's now more, it's resonating. It's like, okay, well, this is heaven's standard, which is love. And now I see that taking place on earth. Why won't I step down into that situation? Love is far more powerful, I believe, and opens far more doors than we realize. Not necessarily always easy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to be told to do it. <laughs> it's, it's something that's easy. You don't have to be told to do. It's like your parents, you know, oh, your parents, me as a parent, those, whatever. You don't have to tell your children something. Like, you know, there's some sweets there. Go and have them. You know, you don't, well, if they're very obedient, then they would ask first. But sometimes you can put something down, and you don't have to tell them. They'll go because it's nice and it's good or whatever. But, but if it's something that's different or new, then you might have to tell them first. And that's what God's doing today. Clothe yourself. So let me read that again. Verse 14. But above all these things. So, uh, okay, I'm not going to go to all these things. Okay, maybe let me go there. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. That's powerful. The bond of So a bond is something which, which um, holds things together. It, it seals something up. So it can, a, bond, a bond can be between two people, a husband and a wife. It can be between two friends. It can be between a community. It can be between, I don't know, an, an, an organization. Whatever it might be, a bond, there's something that holds everything together. And this is saying that love is the bond of perfection. So it's the most perfect bond you can have. Which means that as we pursue love, we are undoubtedly going the right direction. But what it also means in terms of relationships is if you pursue love, that's the key to perfection in relationships and in society and in everything we do. If we prioritize love, everything else will line up. The bond of perfection. So if you want, if you want to know how, how to hold the relationship together effectively, focus on love on your side. Amen. Yeah, sometimes things happen, you know, yeah, of course it takes two sides and, and all of that. But you, what you want to do is you want to make sure that your side, you're doing everything right on your side. And then whatever the other side does, that's a different story. You can pray, yeah, exactly. It's just your, your thing is to obey what God is saying to you. But, the, but I don't know about you, but that, just that word, that's the, the bond of perfection. Like it sounds so powerful. The bond of, it's like this, this thing which is unbreakable. I mean, because, it, you know, I mean, I, I guess if you prioritize love, what, what is more powerful than love? You know, Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Love is this, this magnificent force. Nothing is more powerful than love. Nothing can separate us from love. And we, I don't, and we haven't seen how, what love can do. What's, what's 1 Corinthians 13? Is it 13 verse 8? Oh, oh, let me read it. It says, um, love endures all things. No, wait. It says, believes all things, hopes all things. It is endures all things, hey? 
Love never fails. Maybe that's the one I was looking for. Love never fails. It endures all things and it never, never, never fails. Love is the bond of perfection. Holds everything together. So if we are prioritizing love, everything, maybe I can even go as far as to say in our lives, will be held together. If you wanted to know what is, what is the main thing, yeah, there are, there are obviously the other thing you know, God will put his finger on, but if you're prioritizing love, everything will be held together. There's a force and a power behind love, second to none. Amen. Okay, so as we, as we move off this point, which is um, our attitude towards unity of the brethren, do we, do we in and of ourselves help foster unity or do we break it down? What do we say? What do we do? You know, when no one's looking or there's just a few of us or whatever, do we say things, for example, that help foster unity or help break unity down? Just food for thought. Okay, so point number 18. What is our attitude <clears throat> towards the weaknesses of others? As I said, all of these, they kind of make you... I heard a little noise to the left. And it's, I think for all of us, it's like, wow. Okay, let me, let me think. Let me check. Let me have a look. So what is our attitude towards the weaknesses of others? Now, here's, here's what's important. All of us have strengths. We know that. All of us are strong in different, in different areas. How do we act? How do we respond when we're engaging with people which aren't as strong as us in certain areas? It's not always easy when you've got a deadline looming over your head and you've got a manager or a whoever who's shouting at you. If I'm just talking about the work environment. Because you know what it's like. When there's pressure, there's not really room for people to, never mind, make mistakes. You just can't be out of alignment. You, you, it's just, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your personality is. It doesn't matter if you're nice or not. You just can't be out of alignment. Well, I mean, you can. But what I'm saying is it's not the right way to, you just can't. When there's a deadline, you, ju you must just line up with whatever you must line up with. That it just must happen. So if you're in the midst of that, how do, you, how do you respond? How do you operate? Especially if you're working with people whose weaknesses, are, whose strengths are different to yours, who are weak in areas where you are strong. Just food for thought. It, it takes a lot of wisdom. I'm not saying it's necessarily always easy, but how do you do that? What is our attitude towards people's weaknesses? As I say, especially when there's a pressured situation, it's easy. But having a look and saying, okay. Because what we mustn't forget is certain things come easy to us because we've been graced in that area. Amen. It's full stop. It's not, it's not any deeper than that. It's because God granted something to you in that area. All of us have that. Every single one of us have that. I mean, if I look at myself, there's certain things which just come easy to me. And for some, it's more obvious than others. For some, some of those things are celebrated more by society than others. But it doesn't matter. So God is, every one of us has strengths where other people are weak. Now, how do we view those other people which are weak where we're strong? How do we engage with them when something needs to be accomplished? Not even when something needs to be accomplished. How do we engage with them when we are sitting with them we, we have some things which come easily. For them, it's a lot more difficult. How do we engage with them? I'm not going to give you the answer. It's going to give you something to think about. Amen. Amen. So what is our attitude 
towards the weaknesses of others. Because every single one of those strengths that we have has been granted to us. It's not, it's not somehow, even if we developed it, we developed what was already there. Like you can't, there's certain things, no matter how hard you push, it, 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 you can't get to an Olympic level. You know, there needs to be some, some, some factors that need to come together. Not just time and effort and not just that. There's got to be some, there's even got to be a drive, there's whatever. There's a whole lot of different things that have to come together. So even if you're saying, oh no, but I worked hard, that's fine. But if there was nothing, (laughs) I can work as hard as I want (laughs) on my worship team ability, on on my grace in that area, on my my powerful hidden (laughs) talent in that area. It's so deep down. Even my children can't recognize it. Can you imagine? Like they have to love their parents for everything. Even they can't recognize it. So in my own family, I won't tell you what they say about my singing. So, uh, because they can all sing. But what I'm saying is this, there's some things, no matter how hard you work, you'll probably make a little bit of headway, but you might not, you know, get to the peak of that career, no matter how hard you work. And it just shows it was because someone gave it to you. So there's certain things which society celebrates more than other things. And sometimes you can have some of those abilities. So it's easy for you to be celebrated. You just walk into a room because of how you wired People celebrate you immediately, wherever you go, whatever industry you go to, because of you have certain, it doesn't make you any different to anyone else. But now, if you're so celebrated everywhere you go, how do you deal and engage with people which aren't as celebrated, as graced, as gifted in that particular area? How do you engage with them? Jesus would have loved them. Jesus would have engaged a certain way. Okay, amen. How do we, how do, the attitude toward the weakness of others. Here's another one. This is a nice one also. Hard one to swallow. How do we, I haven't said it yet, but okay. No, <laughs> but you, but you're, I'm sure you'll say it again. So uh, John 13, 35. Let's, let me just, let me just go there quickly. So what is our attitude towards, wait for it. The character defects of others. So that's not necessarily weaknesses. Weaknesses talk about what you've been given, what maybe you have and someone else doesn't have. Character defects talk about areas you're still growing in. So that applies to all of us. For example, someone whose love just hasn't developed that well. Someone who's, I don't know, anger management issues just haven't developed, you know, as they should. Whose patience hasn't developed as they should. Whose empathy, for example, hasn't developed as it should. Whose, whatever it might be. So we are, the thing is, we're all still growing. But now when we come across people, and obviously it's different. We all know, it depending on how you are wired, different things in other people's lives bother us differently. So there's certain things, like the person can be horrendous at something, but it doesn't bother you because just the way you wired, it's like, okay, no, that's fine. That's where they are. But you won't say that's just where they are for everyone. There'll be some people like, can you not just, you know, get a life, grow up? Can you not just, you know, mature, whatever? So for some things, it's like, oh, no, that's just where they are. You know, the Lord will help them with time. With other things, it's like, ah, has God not helped them yet? <laughs> Can he not help them? There's no time. Like, I'm dying here. This is, you know, this is, I'm at the end of my, whatever it might be. The character defects of others. How do we deal with those? 
God deals very well with our character defects. <laughs> I, maybe it's just me, but I know. Not even, I, can't even say, I can't even say where I've come from. Because if you look at kind of where you want to be, maybe you think maybe you haven't even come that far. So you, so you look a little bit back. If I compare it to where I want to be, where I'd like to be, or what, you know, some of the things that maybe the word says where you can get to, and you look at yourself, you're like, sure, God. <laughs> Still have some ground to cover. And you start thinking, you start thinking, okay, well, how am I going to cover this before I die? Because, you know, there's not that much time left. If I look, if I look how far, you know, I think I've come. That's God's department. So whatever he said to you will come to pass. If he's promised you one, two, three, whatever that, or if he's promised you X, and you know that X can only come to pass if something happens, which, and you're looking at the time span, and there just isn't enough time, or you're looking at the resource, whatever, you're looking at something, you're assessing something in the natural, and there just isn't enough of something, let God do it. He will do it. He can accelerate. He can, it doesn't matter. That's why he's God. He can, his word cannot be broken. He will send you his word and he cannot break it. The Bible says he's put his word above all his name, above his character, above who he is. He confines himself to his word. So he will never send you a word which he cannot fulfill. So if you're looking and you're saying, God, Sean, you've sent this to me. But if I just look at the, at the pragmatics, and then this is not a five-year thing. Maybe this is a longer-term thing. I just look at the pragmatics. And I'm doing the maths, you know, my maths, and the maths is just not working. Leave that to him. He'll sort it out. But going back to the character defects of others, how do we engage with those? God has not just patience, but maybe the utmost patience with us, with regards to our character shortfallings, our things which just aren't, even sometimes they're things which, you know, everyone else thinks aren't okay, and we, we sort of think they are okay. We don't have an issue with them. We're like, okay, no, I don't think I'm that bad in that area. I mean, the whole rest of the world is saying, listen, this is not okay. And you're saying, oh, no, but I think I'm doing okay in this area. And everyone else, the moment you walk in the room, they, you know, anyway. So there's certain things that the rest of the world thinks need to change, and you're of the opinion they should stay the same. But... There, for each of us, there are things which we look at and we're like, God, please. <laughs> like, I'm not happy with this. Every sing, you know, I just, I wish I could grow faster, develop faster, whatever it is. So that all of us have those things. But now how do we deal with people when that's sitting in their lives, not our own lives? Because obviously we're patient with ourselves. I mean, we always are. We all do that. But how, you know, how do we, how patient are we with those around us when we talk about character defects? So, and you see, the thing is, <laughs> Sometimes, people won't always be in your life for that long. Just a quick side point. I'm just, just dropped in more. So sometimes that person with something which really makes life difficult. It could be anything. It could be a weakness. It could be a character defect. It could, you just maybe clash for whatever reason. Maybe, yeah, whatever. So the, the, our head always tells us, you know, you kind of have this view of what will the next 25 years look like with this person or, you know, the rest of my life. But they could even be gone within a week. They might not be around for that long. And maybe it's for them to add something to you. or Maybe it's for you to add something to them. And then there's a reward for you because of what you added to them. It's not always you add things to people who like you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, we, I'm sure all of you have got 
get stories and whatever. So I'm not taking time. But all of you have got stories of people who've come back maybe years late and said, listen, at the time I didn't appreciate it, or at the time I didn't understand, or at the time you acted like this, it was the right thing, but I just wasn't. But thank you that you did that, because two, three, four years down the line, God used that, and you know, that made a big difference in my life. So how do we engage with the character defects of others? Uh, maybe let me just leave you with this example. Think about Jesus and his disciples. I mean, if you ever want sort of character defects on display, I mean, those were them. I, I get, you know, forget even calling down fire. I think that one of the examples I always remember is, is just before Jesus was going to go to the cross, just before, it was, it was not, it was, they were, I think they were either on their way to Jerusalem, you know, for the, they were arguing about who was going to be greater. You know, the biggest moment of Jesus' life, the most hectic, you know, just like this was it. And he needed support, compassion, you know, he needed a whole lot of things. And they were like, you know, who's going to be first, who's going to be second, you know, what positions. I mean, they're just on a completely different page to where he was. But, but here's what I want to get across quickly before we go, and then we'll close. Here's what I want to get across. Think of what those disciples carried on producing. After Jesus left, think of who they became. Whether you accept Christianity or not, whether you even believe it or not, every single one of them, and some of them more than other, have gone down in history. Undeniably, you can mention some of their names and people will know them almost globally. And think of who they were when they started. So there's some people, as we engage with, and maybe it's just for us to add something tiny. Maybe it's for us to add something big, whatever it might be. You know, we are, the grace is there to do it. But just think of where the disciples ended up. Those people which have, we, in our view, you know, whose character defects are much bigger than our own personal, you know, character defects, who God's brought into our lives. As he brings them in and we add something or we play our role, whatever our role is, maybe our role is just to not, you know, cut them down like everyone else does. Whatever our role is, as we play our role, Remember what God did with the disciples. Remember what he can do with that individual. And when he then comes back to say, okay, who helped this individual get somewhere? Not the individual, but God. When he starts handing out and weighing up, then you're there. And who knows what that could be? Maybe that's your next you know, breakthrough that you need. So we need to the character defects of others. I think I've got two more. Then we're going to close. So very quickly. What is our attitude towards the strengths of others? Now we're looking at it on the other side. What is our attitude towards the strength of others? We all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. What is our attitude towards the strength of others? People with certain strengths, are we jealous of them? Do we want to, uh, I don't know, do we wish they'd disappear? Do we try and, uh, I don't know, talk behind their backs and try and cut them down or get them fired or kicked out or whatever it might be. What is our attitude towards the strengths of others? Do we get, do we feel inferior? Do we, whatever it is, it's something to assess. Because, yeah, we need to celebrate the strengths of others. The Bible tells us we need to rejoice with those who rejoice. If we celebrate the strength, and not, am I saying this is always easy? I'm not saying it's always easy. But I believe if God is sending his word, like we always say, if God sends his word, the grace is there to, for, for you to be able to walk it out. So there's a way for people with strengths in your environment, in your wherever it is, that you get intimidated by or whatever it might be. 
for you to be able to walk and engage with them. Maybe there's something, there's an example you must learn, or there's something that, you know, is supposed to be released into your life through that person's strength. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be walking with them side by side every day. Maybe you only see them once a month. But what is our attitude towards the strength of others? That'll tell us where our love is. Jesus, you know, yeah. So we shouldn't be, Jesus I don't think was ever intimidated by, you know, anyone else. Even the high priest, didn't matter. We are all graced in different areas. What is our attitude towards the strengths of others? Do we celebrate them? Because I can tell you, if we celebrate it, there's a benefit and it will add something to our lives. If we try and do something which is unbiblical, even just in our hearts, we're going to miss out. There's a reason why, and we say it all the time, there's a reason why God brings every person into our lives. Those with significant weaknesses, those with significant strengths. Although we all have strengths and weaknesses, but you know how we assess it. So um, we look at other, yeah. Always a different lens for others. So what is our attitude towards the strength of the strengths of others? Especially if they have strengths where we are weak. If they have strength where we don't. I believe it's an opportunity. And God will show us how to make the most of that opportunity. So you pray and you ask him and he will show you how to make the most of that opportunity. Amen. Last one, I think. So... What is our attitude towards the, hey, this is, a, this is not always an easy one. What is our attitude towards the success or the successes of others? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's a good one to think about. What is our attitude towards the success of others? Do we celebrate with them? Do we rejoice with them? Or do we, are we, are we, are we sending out knives in our hearts or with our eyes? What is our attitude towards the sex? So that includes the victories of others, the exploits of others, the testimonies of others. You know, I think it's sometimes interesting. I think, you know, sometimes God even watches to see how we respond to others. And that can be a key to that same thing being granted to us. If we are jealous of the exploits of others, for example it might then be a, diff- a little bit difficult. It might then be a little while before we start walking in exploits because maybe we're not ready yet. Maybe we're not ready to have. If we can't celebrate someone else's exploits, maybe we aren't ready to, to walk in exploits. Amen. So what is our attitude towards the success of others? Are we, are we bitter? Do we criticize them, bring them down, whatever it might be? How, what is our attitude? In... Um, Galatians 2 verse 9, uh, let me just, uh, I don't think I'll read it maybe for the sake of time, but you can write it down, Galatians 2 verse 9, um, and Acts chapter 15, you see that, you see that um, Saul and, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they went and the missionary journey and so many testimonies, they come to the apostles in Acts chapter 15 and they're sharing all of these exploits, not one of the apostles felt inferior, not one of them was um, yeah, felt inferior. And here in, Acts, in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, they gave, it says they gave them the right hand of fellowship. So there were strengths, there were abilities, there were graces, there were exploits, which these others were going through, and they celebrated with them. I guess their attitude was like, look, you know, this is the kingdom of God is advancing, so let's celebrate. Maybe they hadn't even walked in some of those things, but they celebrated. That was the right attitude. 
I'm going to read, I'm going to read one more scripture. Then I think I'm going to close on that. So Acts chapter, sorry, not Acts, um, Colossians chapter 3, verse, we're going to go back to verse 14. I don't know if you've got the Passion Translation. You're shaking your head at me vigorously. Okay, that's fine. So let me read it from, if you've got you version or something, you can look on your phone, you can read it. So Colossians chapter 3, I'll read from verse 13 and I'll read verse 14. <clears throat> so it says, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Sure. Excuse me. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, Excuse me. Find fault with someone. Release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Listen to this. Right at the end of verse 14. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. That's what we said at the beginning. That's what God's looking to measure. Greatness of stature is greatness of love. Maturity is growth in love. Love is key to every area of our lives. As we assess our lives, as we walk in this, as we look at some of the points that were coming up, assess and make adjustments. I believe the hand of God will be over our lives. We'll see the power of God flow. We'll see exploits, acceleration, and testimonies before the end of the year. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're going to take communion. So grab your, grab your, your elements. And if you don't know how to do it, smile nicely to the person next to you, which looks like they know. And if you don't know together, then hopefully you can work it out. So just let's open it up, and then we're going to pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you this morning. We bless you, and we honor you. Give you glory, and we give you praise. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in our midst. We glorify and we bless you. Thank you for exceeding our expectations today. So the communion meal, celebrating communion like what we do it now, is, is to commemorate Jesus having died and having risen again. And him dying and rising again means that everything God says in this word, everything he's ever said, belongs to us everything he's ever promised everything he wants to do, every grace every gift every ability every manifestation every single one of them belong to us so as we as we celebrate this let's not only reflect but let's let's lift those areas of our lives up to the lord and say god this is an area i need to work on this is an area I need to adjust. I, I want to. I need to. I want to grow in this area. This example really spoke to me. Because as we partake together, we are partaking of empowerment. We are partaking of the empowerment that Jesus purchased for us. The complete ability to walk in every single thing that the Bible says. Every promise every act of obedience every manifestation we can walk in we are we have the ability to walk in everyone so as we go through this as we come close to concluding this series as we look at these points let's go before the lord and say lord 
this is an area or these areas are where I need to adjust, where I want to grow, where I want your hand to be stretched out over my life. And then as we partake, know we are partaking in faith, knowing that that empowerment is available to us. So let's take a moment and pray and then we'll partake together. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for sending your word to us, Lord God. Thank you for opening our eyes concerning what is true, concerning what is necessary, concerning what is needed. Thank you for the grace to be able to apply, to be able to walk out every single thing that you've spoken and you've said to us. Thank you for sending your word to us this morning. We're excited, we're thankful, we're appreciated, appreciative of your word, Lord God. We are appreciative of your word. And we thank you that as you send your word, it's always to take us somewhere. So thank you for where you are taking us, where you are lifting us to and where you are raising us to. The work, Lord God, you are doing in our hearts the transformation you are bringing and the many, many, many testimonies which I believe have started already and will continue to see. We thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's partake together. today not only for this time but thank you for what you are doing in our hearts for what you're doing in our midst as a local congregation thank you thank you thank you thank you for what you're doing in our midst as a local congregation thank you for the empowerment every single person has received for today lord god the empowerment you've granted them to be able to walk out what you've said to them, what you've brought to light, Lord God. Thank you for the empowerment to walk out every single one of those things. Thank you for the victories they will declare in every single one of those areas. Thank you for the testimonies that have happened already and will continue to happen. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord God. We honor you and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.